All right, so we're living in a time of this uh, historical moment of the impeachment trial in the Senate. Um, and it's really, it's, uh, I would say it's interesting, Ari, but in fact, it's quite boring. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm I totally unimpressed. I mean, I do, I do not want to listen to this, not because I'm worried about, um, you know, somehow Trump being in trouble or anything else. It's just boring. I, I, I mean, I, I do stumble upon like, what are you saying? You're just you just keep on saying things like this is the gravest attack upon our Constitution since its founding and what our founding fathers would have thought about this. OK, you know, these are highfalutin conclusions that don't have any basis. In fact, they don't actually present anything. And then they then they try to make these arguments that somehow there's this huge amount of evidence and they talk about what previous uh, witnesses had said in the Congress, uh, which in turn were all opinions anyway and all speculation. So it's just regurgitating what was already said in the Congress. Bottom line is there's just no case there. And I'm still waiting, you know, nervously, of course, for a fact to come out that was not otherwise presented in the House of Representatives. And I, I just don't see it. So, you know, it begs the question is why, why are we here? Why is this impeachment trial even going on in the first place? And the answer, like we said a couple of uh, podcasts ago, is that, the, you know, Democrats have nothing else. And it's, it's so true. And I, what I love about all this is that as you know, our, our main theme is, you know, what is the impact upon our fellow Americans? Is it impacting them in such a way that they want to vote more for the Democrat nominee, whoever that might be, or, uh, or that they, in fact, turn against the Democrats and say, I want me some more of my Trump? And the answer is the latter. I, I think this is only helping us at the end of the day. I, and feel free to chime on, on that. But I, I just got to tell you, Ari, it's, it's almost delightful to see how many people. We, we talked to uh, last podcast about this thunderous applause that happened when the president and Melania entered into the stadium at the LSU Clemson game, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. But you were seeing more and more of that throughout these, not just rallies, but. Um, television uh, moments, uh, these, these events. Um, there was another big one. I forget what it was. Shoot. Um, but it was it, something that was also sh showcased on Facebook. Well, there was a rally scheduled in New Jersey, and so far 100,000 people responded. That's the tickets. one. That's the one. Thank you. Yes, exactly right. 100,000 people. To see a political candidate, yeah. an elected official, give essentially a policy speech and a campaign rally. This is unheard of. Right. Okay? And and this isn't Obama showing up in a college town with a bunch of college students go, ooh, you know, with hero worship, and then hearing him drone on boringly for an hour and a half about... This is rock'em, sock'em, must-see television where every speech dude gives, like a stand-up comedian, the set is different... But the general through line is the same. And he's more hilarious this time than the last. That's right. You know? Exactly right. And, and, and if you've seen him before, you want to see him again. You know, yeah. it's like Metallica or U2 or Rush. I, you can't get enough of it, that's right? True. You, you can't wait for their next album, so to speak. Yeah, right? but you so, also want to hear the classics, you know? What, you, what, you, what we want. Yeah, that's good. Lock her up. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Oh, I love it. You know, I didn't think he was going to play it, but he, he did it. Lock her up. He went right there. Bam. <laughs> 
All right. Walk around, bitches! So, you know, the, the thing about it, it is it is true that this impeachment trial is technically a historical event because this is only the third time in history that a uh, trial in the Senate for the possible conviction of the president has occurred. Okay, fine, it's historical. It's meaningless. It's it's a game that's being played, but technically speaking, it's historical. Right? Yeah, and also everything's but, history. But, right? but <laughs> what the real history is, is what you and I are talking about right now. When we, this, this presidency is historical. Yes. That's the thing that we are witnessing. And I think when people are going to these rallies, whether that LSU Clemson game or the one that, that's about to happen with the New Jersey matter that you're talking about, it's, they, they, they feel like this is a moment in history. They want to see this guy while he's, he's still president. They want to touch him, so to speak, because he's been so effective and he's really speaking, he's giving voice to their, their, their fears and their concerns. And he, he, he's effective. He's not just a leader that talks. He does things. And, and people are out there to show their appreciation directly to him, saying thank you in so many ways with this loud, thunderous applause that we're talking about. That's the historical moment, isn't it? Oh, right? I, and, and wait, yes. wait. And, you know, sure enough, I, I, we think he, almost for certain he'll be reelected and reelected by landslide, okay? All 57 states. <laughs> That's right. And more. By the end of 2024, uh, sorry, by, by the time that, uh, yeah, 2024, right? Uh, by the time that rolls around, we will, you know, be so grateful for all the great things that have happened. And then in 2025 and later on, we'll look back fondly on the Trump years. That's yeah. what's, what it's going to be. And yes, he'll give speeches and such, and we'll be happy to see him. But at the same time, it won't be the same as being there with him while he is president. Yeah. And that, that is the historical moment, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I want to turn to something well, else. Well, uh, can, I, can we just talk about a, a couple quick things on this point? Because I think this is sort of cool. The first thing is, as boring as everything Adam Schiff said for all those hours. God, he was boring. Everything he said was actually true. Same with Nadler. Same with all these others. The only problem is it's only true if they're talking about the Democrats. Oh, I see. Obama, Biden, you know, all their corruption. Because the same corruption. That, that, that's the irony of this. That's number one. Number two is this. For all the rallying against millionaires and billionaires by the myriad of candidates, including the three that are billionaires in the Democrat field. Isn't it interesting? Barack, I think this is this is one of the facets of what explains the Trump magic. That you have a billionaire who's willing to put his billions on the line and actually make a sacrifice. He's he's getting he's the first elected official in generations who's actually getting poorer while he's in office, <laughs> proving that a billionaire as president is the most common of common men in American history, representing the forgotten common man. Well, you know who citizen. He, he isn't that interesting? He reminds dichotomy. me of Trump. Reminds me of, and and there, there are differences, of course. So please uh, understand. Let me get through this. He reminds me of Caesar. Now, Julius Caesar. When, when I when I say that, how can you say that? I mean, the Ju good parts, not the, the bad. The good parts, of course. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I want to differentiate. But how is he like Caesar in the good way? People don't realize this about Caesar. When they think about Caesar, they think about him as a tyrant and a dictator for life and such like that. But they forget why, something else about him, that he was massively popular and massively effective. Uh, it's not just that he was able to conquer more and more territory for Rome. 
he also improved Rome like nobody's business. And, you know, you also have to take into account the fact that, you know, Rome was a very new republic at the time. And, you know, this whole notion of, uh, you know, ruling as a republic was a very odd thing, a very unique, even more so than, than it was during the Greek uh, democracy days. This was a true republic. And yes, Caesar changed that, but he was a remarkably effective emperor. And his power was gained not because he was brutal. On the contrary, his power was because he understood the common man. And that is something that Trump and he share. When you said the billionaire that seems to be more like the common man, uh, that's exactly why it triggered my idea of, of the, the, the connection with Caesar. He, he really was the same. Caesar would go into the field and he knew most of his men by, by name. I mean, he would, he would go into the field, he would fight with them. They loved him. They would follow him anywhere because they trusted him and because he was so effective. He thought day in and day out. He didn't sleep. He just always wanted to make sure his men were taken care of. And that's the similarity with Trump that we see now and the effectiveness. Where it's different, of course, is that Trump is not the tyrant. He's working with the system. He, is, he loves democracy. He loves America. He loves, he's a conservative in every, every way. I mean, he's more conservative you know, in, in many ways than Ronald Reagan was. And that's quite a compliment to say. That's quite a high bar. That's an amazing It's an amazing thing, bar. Yes. So this is, a, this is a great thing about Trump. And we are seeing true history in the making. And uh, why I'm excited every day when I hear uh, Trump at a rally, when, when, I, when the TV's on with Trump at a rally, I, I tell all my kids, please, let's, let's be quiet. I want to hear this guy. Yeah, let's spend a minute. Let's gather around yeah, the it, fire and watch. It's yeah. never boring. It's always funny. It's always engaging. Um, and he shows the people that he's with them. And the people show them, show him that they are with him. Right, and it's a classic. He's like a, a great comedian where he's standing up with righteous indignation for the values of the little guy against ridiculous things. He's like, it's the same dynamic of a good Marx Brothers movies or um, you know any of those great comedies in which the American with his American pluck stands up to the ridiculousness of the, the, the elitist or the upper class or the bureaucracy. It's that. And you can tell when you're a person of reason and thought, you know, whether you're Victor Davis Hanson or you or and these other conservative thinkers who thinks about this stuff, um, um, that that dynamic is there, and yeah. that's why he's so endearing to people because he's saying what we're thinking and feeling before we even think and feel it. Well, yes, you know? so, but, but, but let's. It, that's I, why the, the relationship is so tight and so strong. The study of Trump is is worth studying because I mean history will look back and say how is it that he got so many things done. You see, people, the Democrats will say, oh, this is the, um, the party of cult, you know, cultish, cultish personality or cult Again, personality. Again, projecting Obama. Of course, of right? course. That's my point. Yeah. And, of course, they forget that Obama and Bill Clinton, of course, and he was so charming and he's uh, so handsome or whatever it was that they want to say about him. Uh, okay, fine. Elegance, whatever. But, but Trump is charming in his own way. Right, he's charming to us. Yeah, he's refreshing to us. We like him for those reasons. Uh, is he handsome? No. Is he? Uh, yes. Is, okay. Is he? Well, you might be turned on <laughs> no. by him, but I'm not. So, is he overweight? Yes. Uh, you know, does he say tweets that uh, are, are brash? Yes. But that's not the point. We find him charming 
we find him uh, engaging and endearing in our own way because he's, he's fighting our fight. And there's a magic to him that the Democrats no doubt felt about Obama, no doubt felt about uh, Bill Clinton, and didn't feel about Hillary Clinton, by the way. So th that's, that's the charm aspect of it. The difference is that Trump actually got things done. That's the magic of it. it and you scratch your head in this way, like, how the F does this guy get so many things done with, with so many headwinds, right? He's got virtually no tailwinds at all. Headwinds, meaning just, I mean, it's, it's such yeah, a resistance. Media, deep state, government, bureaucracy, even his and, own party. And, and the university know? system and everything else, yeah. and his own party, the Never Trumpers and otherwise. Um, the, Paul, the former Paul Ryans and the, the present Paul Ryans, as it were. We've, we've got, you know, he's got a tremendous amount of headwinds. And yet, and yet, and yet, he's brought Iran to heel. He's brought China to heel. He's actually forcing China to buy rice from us. <laughs> okay, That's I mean, like getting the devil to buy gasoline and matches from you. <laughs> I, seriously. I agree, I agree. And uh, or, or like getting selling ice to the Eskimos. I mean, yeah. a classic line, right? Uh, the brilliance of this man. And then the Mexico trade deal, right? I mean, there's so many things that he's achieving. And to say nothing in the economy, the stock market, the unemployment rate, uh, how, uh, you know, the black community now is so, you know, loving Trump and understandably so. The gay community is loving Trump. The, the Jewish community is starting to, to warm up to Trump. It, great things are happening. And what, what he did with Israel, I mean, oh my God, there's so many fantastic things that are going on. And they, the Democrats hate that magic. That's the thing that they're trying to, to, to nip in the bud, but they just can't do it. And no matter how hard they try, whether it's the Russian collusion thing, they, whether it's the Ukrainian thing, and now, of course, the impeachment conviction issue, and all the other things that they try to throw at him, Stormy Daniels and so on, it, they, they're, what they're really trying to do, Ari, I think they're, they're trying to, to, to destroy that magic, that momentum, to make him somehow, I don't know, they, they're, they're, in the world of basketball, I'm, my son is really into basketball, so there are, there are players that just have it, right? Like Kobe Bryant. You know, he goes on the, onto the game, you know he's going to play a great game. Every single time. Okay? Compare him to, let's say, Lim. Remember Lim? Um, Asian basketball player. Anthony Lim, yes. And, 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 every, and they, they called it Lintastic and all the... I mean, he had a phase there for like six months. There was a flash in the pan. And then he lost it. For, so, for whatever reason, his magic was gone. And who knows why that happened? The mojo was lost, and uh, we don't hear from him anymore. But you still hear about Kobe Bryant. Trump is more like Kobe Bryant, okay? Every time he goes onto the field, as it were, we know that great things are going to happen. He sets his sights on achieving something. It's going to happen, mm -hmm. okay? And not even Ronald Reagan had that kind of effectiveness. Yeah, but, you know, what I think is actually happening is... You know, we've discussed on this podcast, this impeachment's happening because they have nothing else. Their candidates are, aren't are just weak. Their candidates are preposterous. <laughs> yeah, I, a, I mean, truly, that's a good point. they're preposterous people. Yeah. They're ridiculous. They're an embarrassment. It's not like it's not like they even have a Walter Mondale, who was a mediocre ex-vice president who could run as the standard bearer of his current party's um, you know, sort of platform and ideas and going, We're a, I'm a contrast to Ronald Reagan. He wants to cut your taxes. I promise to raise them. You know, and right. just, but no one ever looked at Walter Mondale and thought, criminal, lunatic, freak, 
wears women's panties in the bedroom, you know, any of that kind of crazy. But you look at this field, each one is weirder and more deranged than the next, right? And, and even the Democrats understand that. And, and they, they know that, and, and that's and they're, why they're, this they're, is happening. They are really, really concerned about the weakness in their right. field, and they talk about their weakness in their field. And this is this is a big issue for them. Look, I, I, I want to turn— It's the issue for I want to turn—you wanted two more points, and we— Yeah, that was I, it. You know, I, yeah. I got— I let myself get derailed a little bit about this point, but this is a very important point that I want to make, and it's, it's quite different than what we've been talking about, but I suppose related. Look, one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of my Facebook uh, friends, or more importantly, from people who no longer use Facebook and Twitter and such like that, is uh, one, two of the things, and I only want to talk about the second one. The first one is that Facebook, and especially Twitter, seem to be throttling a lot of conservative views, uh, okay, that that's true. Uh, I don't like it. I'm being throttled on Twitter. I, I put out posts that I know would otherwise gain amazing traction, uh, but you know, you hear one response, you know, from yeah. it. It's, I, look, I've got twenty thousand followers, you know, and it's have only one response to something that I think are, are powerful statements. Um, you know, even ten would be too little, but to have one response, something's happening. Yeah. Uh, when when I speak about something that is not political and not religious then I get a, a tremendous flow of, of good stuff, you know, like it might be my dog or whatever. Uh, that's, that's one thing, but I don't want, really want to go there. I want to talk about why it's worthwhile to stay on Facebook and to review Facebook and such. I, I have a tremendous number of liberal friends and lefty friends for that matter on Facebook as well as my conservative friends. And I think it's valuable to stay on Facebook um, and to review the feed that you have. The reason being is that they are a reflection of what our culture is talking about, what is animating us. And it's, you feel the pulse much more so than what you would get just from watching CNN and Fox and so on, because you know, they're, they're only relating what the news is and what they consider to be important news. And I say this about Fox as well. But when, when you're on Facebook, you actually hear... Yeah, from the, the horse's mouth. From the horse's Straight. mouth. What, yeah. What's important to them? You hear people talking about how Trump is, has changed their lives. They know that I used to be for uh, Obama. I even voted for him uh, twice. And now I, I, I can't imagine ever voting for anyone other than Trump. Uh, these massive rallies that we talked about, uh, there was another one, for example, in a restaurant where the that it was a Fox News guy, and he was going to go to this restaurant. I think it was in Iowa because the caucuses are about to happen. And he was going to just kind of take a poll and have people raise their hands. Like, uh, who, how many of you uh, are for, uh, for Trump this time? Um, let's take a, you know, in, informal polls, what he said. And everyone <laughs> just yelled and screamed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were so excited. And he goes, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be really uh, taking a serious poll here because everyone seems to be for Trump here. Uh, so he changed it immediately to simply talk to the people, why do you like Trump? Why do you like Trump? Why do you? So everyone had their own different story. And many of whom had said they had voted for Hillary Clinton, and now they can't imagine voting for anybody but Trump. Uh, and this is a, a, a great sign of the times. Again, I saw that on, on Facebook as well. So you see people really reacting. Uh, you know, obviously in this impeachment process, uh, you hear people talking about what they think and how what resonates for them. You hear about the level of argumentation. But boy, it's it's a, it's an interesting pulse, Ari. 
Facebook, and, Facebook yeah. the way to look at Facebook, to me, is not like, oh, let's see what my friends are doing and where they're vacationing and, and how their child just won the debate uh, scholarship or whatever, which is all cute and well. Uh, but I'm, in terms of, I look at it for what people are talking about. Yeah, especially on the lefty side. Yeah. And, Very interesting. And, and what we're always looking for is the level of the discourse and the level of information that they're achieving and how well they're thinking things through. Because I've always thought that that's the big weakness that a liberal has, is they simply don't think as clearly or as deeply as a conservative. And they yeah. don't. Uh, Larry Elder, whose show you're going to go on in a couple of days, once gave a great example. He said, if you don't know what to think, you're, you call yourself a centrist and you want to figure it out, pick eight uh, liberal commentators and eight conservatives and read their recent columns. Right. So he said, just read Victor da- at the time, Victor Davis Hanson, Tom Sowell, Ann Coulter, uh, Walter Williams, and you know Dennis Prager, for instance, on, sure. the, on the right. Sure. And l- read Maureen Dowd, Paul Krugman, Andrew Sullivan, um, Frank Bruni, and um, uh, Tom Friedman on the left. Right. And just compare the level of thinking. Yep. It doesn't come – and those five I said on the left are the top people. Those are the New York Times columnists right. in general. Right. And their thinking is idiotic, right. co- especially compared to a Hanson or a Sol. And there's no argument. Right. And you go, well, that's the best they got. But here's what's, what's interesting is, um, for instance, quick uh, way back machine moment. A few months ago when this nonsense with the impeachment started, Trump right, – you'll verify this – Released the transcript of the phone call, right? Right away. Right away, right? Adam Schiff went and lied and pretended there were things in the transcript that weren't, right? But Trump released it. Checkmate, right? Right. Over. Quadrat definitive. Done here, right? Mic drop. Um, I saw a Facebook post by a liberal yesterday that posted something claiming that Trump did not release the transcript, saying, if he wants this impeachment thing to end, why doesn't he just release the transcript? (laughs) Their level of thinking and conclusions they reach, whether it's from the media that spoon-feeds them stuff from the toilet or not, shows they're not capable. And because of it, they live in the world of rumor. This is one of the main reasons why I, I came to conservatism, is exactly that point you just raised. I, I I just started noticing that the conservative commentators, whether uh, writers or on TV, uh, were just much more deep. Uh, I call it thoughtfulness, right? They they just were able to bring much more analysis to the to the table. Um, they brought much more in the way of facts. They brought much more in the way of uh, history, and I I love that. I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself a deep thinker. I don't, I, there's so many little things that can change and alter an equation. Look, I'll give an example. Okay. This is a very important one. And maybe you've heard me. And if you've heard this one, please chime in and tell me that you've heard it. Okay. I'm going to give you a scenario and this is an important scenario. A woman, sorry, a a man is uh, on the corner of a 7-Eleven type store, a convenience store. It's cold. A very cold winter day. And he sees from his viewpoint on the corner, not in the in the seven but he sees from the corner of his street a woman coming out of the seven eleven type convenience store. Have you heard this story? Yes. Okay. So I'll just so say you can tell because they have Maybe Right, exactly. Not. And she uh, has a big coat and it's clear that 
she's she's bending over and she's clear that she's got something underneath her coat and she's looking very nervous and and there's a lot of commotion the man can see from the civil there's a lot of commotion people are kind of running around and everything else and she's racing out and she quickly goes to the the curb of the street she looks at her watch and uh it's as if she's waiting for something and then this very dirty old you know dodge car is uh, careening down really fast does a quick u-turn and comes right in front of her <clears throat> and she quickly opens the door it's a man inside uh, driving <clears throat> and she gets in and closes the door and she says go 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 and the car peels off right i've given you a tremendous amount of information okay and then the question to the listener is what happened right what is going on here the answer is immediately that she robbed this 7-Eleven type convenience store, correct? It's kind of obvious. You know, the, everything, all the circumstances suggest a robbery. But there's one thing I forgot to tell you. She was nine months pregnant. Does that alter your view of what might have happened? Why do I bring this story? Up because uh, it, it obviously changes the whole story. It, it, the, the commotion was the fact that she was about to give birth. Maybe her water broke. And now that's her husband who's now taking her to the hospital. One little fact changes everything. It changes the whole scenario, right? Or at least opens the question for this. Facts are important. I see this in law all the time in our cases. One small thing alters the entire case. One document can alter an entire way of looking at a case. Yeah, one fingerprint can alter a criminal case. <laughs> as as right? proof, right, exactly. One DNA a sample. Uh, you know, so many other things can happen. Or the statute of limitations can kill a case. Just like that, boom, you're done. Okay, no matter how good you think your case otherwise is, boom. If it was beyond four years, let's say for a breach of contract, you're done. And so on and so on. I had a client once who came in, and he told me the story of fraud, uh, where he was defrauded of $200,000. And it was so compelling. All right, it was an amazing story. He was clearly defrauded. And I listened, and I, I heard him out, and I said, uh, you know, I'll, we'll call him Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, you know, I, I've heard you, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, my, I'm almost forcing back my tears here. This is a terrible story that, that happened to you. And he said, well, thank you for listening. And I, and I said, I think we might be able to take on your case. And he started crying. And I said, Mr. Smith, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but why are, you, why are you crying? I mean, you, you've told the story you know, to other people, haven't you? And he goes, yes, yes. I, but you don't understand, Mr. Lurie. I, to have somebody believe in me after all these years. And I stopped him and I said, wait. After all these years, how many years are we talking about? When did this happen? And he said, 1992. Oops. <laughs> and this was like in the year 2006 or something. And I said, now I know why people have not taken your case, Mr. Smith. It, that one small fact, <laughs> it, it killed his case. It, the statute of limitations for fraud is, is uh, three years from the date of discovery. And he, he found out about it way, way before, like in 1992. It changed everything. And I had to tell him, we're done. 
one small fact. And now, now going back to our friends on Facebook and otherwise, the things that, that they will post reflect people that don't have all the facts. Just or, or don't want them. They don't, yeah. Just yesterday, I got a, um, a link that was sent and posted uh, about Israel. Uh, it's such a great example. Israel is always, uh, a, 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 whenever, whatever people post that's anti-Israel, generally speaking, I'm, 99% of the time, it's missing not just one, but several facts. And uh, in this particular case, it was, it was facts about, uh, it, it was suggested that Israel was withholding uh, subsidies and other you know, education things for Bedouins. Bedouins are, they're not Arabs. They, they are a tribe that live in, uh, in Israel. They, they tend to wander. Uh, but Israel supposedly is withholding them in a cruel and vicious way and such like that. Of course, it was missing a whole bunch of facts, more, more particularly that it's just not true. But <laughs> that's, what, that's a fact that just didn't and happen. Bedouin usually, just between you and me, don't have things like bank accounts or real estate holdings right. or... Well, or they may. They may okay, another fact. Another fact is that Israel may be uh, changing its whole society to be more capitalist and to be less socialist, and that would might impact the Bedouins, let's say. So, right. okay, but it also impa- impacts uh, the Ashkenazi Jews and the Sephardic Jews and everyone else. In, right. in they the, might in, have their funds withheld too. Right. right? Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> you know, but it's the way you parlay it. So, yeah, technically speaking, it might be true. Right, so it, it's a false picture. It's it's a false light, is what we say yeah. in defamation law. So it's the same sort of thing that's going on here. So I, you know, and I wrote, wrote back to the guy and I said, with respect, because I actually know this guy. He's he's a nice man. Uh, he's a thoughtful man. Clearly a Democrat, but nevertheless a nice guy. And I said, listen, with due respect, you don't know anything that you're talking about. Uh, I'm Israeli. I've been to Israel 20 times since uh, I lived there, and I know it like the back of my hand. You do not know Israel. And his response was, thank you for your thoughtful response, but you, know, you don't have to live in a country to know that it's a, you know, a, a bad country. Like, and he gave the example of North Korea. Okay, that's true. And I said, but that's not, my, that's not what I was arguing. I'm saying I know it really well, and you don't know jack crap about Israel, and you clearly don't want to learn about Israel. It's one thing, you know, I, I know about North Korea because I've studied about North Korea. And I know that it's a, di- a brutal dictatorship. You are wrong about Israel. You have no idea about it. You've just bought the propaganda. And so this is, this is what we're seeing on Facebook and otherwise. It's, it, like I said, a reflection of the culture. People are spouting off things. Um, and the best examples of that are when it comes to Israel, when it comes to um, Jewish traditions, for that matter. I, I've heard crazy things about alleged beliefs of the Jews. Yeah, uh, that, that are, matzo blood, chicken, circumcision, yeah, rats and octopus. Circumcision in yeah. particular, yeah, the bris, that process in particular and how cruel and vicious it is or whatever it is. I've also heard, of course, crazy things about global warming, the things that people believe when it comes to global warming and the way they trot this out without thinking whatsoever about it. And I, I mean, we, we talked about the eight questions that I had for anyone to believe in global warming, and I, I presented that on Facebook and and no one ever answers. No them. one they ever just answers. Scream at you for being a jerk, right? For and, daring to ask them. Yeah, and, and, and they they yeah. dare to say that I'm not being a scientific about it. They present. Yeah, no uh, scientists would ask those questions. Right, exactly. Right. Lurie. Yeah. Pound, so, pound, pound, so they pound, say, pound. look, you know, to you know, you're saying as if, you know, uh, it's like a hurricane, and you're quibbling as as to whether it's a category three or category five, and and uh, therefore, you know, somehow you don't believe in hurricanes, and that was 
an example that I, I didn't read, but nevertheless, that's, that, that would be the best argument they can make. And I said, I don't quibble about that at all. I'm, I'm quibbling about whether, but we're, we're talking about damage here. Damage. There's a, in, in, in law, you cannot, it, almost virtually every cause of action that you pursue, not everyone, but, but 99% of causes of action, you have to present damages. If you cannot present damages, you do not have a case, right? So you can technically breach a contract, right? And you can say that man uh, breached a contract, but you had no damages resulting from it. Well, then you don't have a case. I'll give you a good example, a breach of a lease, right? You're a landlord and your tenant has you know, left in the middle of his lease. He still has six months left. He otherwise would have had to pay you $50,000 on the remainder of the lease, okay? However, you found somebody to replace him, okay? And he's paying exactly the same amount, if not more, than your previous tenant was paying. You have no damages. You have no case. That's it. You're done. Same thing with global warming, okay? You, they, they cannot... I, I just ask about the damages. Uh, the, the essence of any legal theory requires, yeah, they'll, they'll, requires right. two things. Causation. That, that first of all, that there's a wrong. Okay, that's fine. Let's say that the wrong is global warming. But the, but the second thing is causation <clears throat> and that there's impact. So, Damages. So in global warming, it's, okay, not just it's happening, but... Who did it? Who did it? And, and to what extent, what, what, what percentage of responsibility do we have? Right. Are we 100%? Okay. Yeah. Did if, the sun get hotter or did our SUV fart? Which one of those? Right, exactly. And then, like you're saying, damages, okay, what's the damage? Is the sea level going to rise a millimeter or 45 feet? Right. Bingo. And how soon? How soon? Right. Yes. I was just yeah. going to say, when is this going to happen? Yeah, those are the questions you're asking. And, of course, their response how dare you even ask? Right. Let me shoot the messenger while <laughs> exactly. I have him in my sights. And then if you're a judge, one of the things you do is you say damages. Okay, fine. And then the, but, but a judge in this case would have to say because, you know, no one's going to pay for it, right? It's not as if you, you find some guy for whom uh, you committed this wrong called global warming and you say, well, I feel bad about it. Here you go. Here's some money to, to uh, redress your, your problem. All right? It's not like that. So the only uh, judgment, as it were, uh, that a judge could issue is some sort of uh, restriction on our carbon fossil use or whatever it is, carbon emissions. And the issue is, can we do anything about it, right? A judge would have to know. And the question is, you know, no one answers that question either. Uh, to me, unless you get the entire world to stop um, using airplanes and cars and, and cow farts and everything else that we talked about, in, unless the entire world is doing this, you ain't going to achieve nothing, right? I mean, to, to right because any cutbacks America might engage in, how do we know China or India won't increase? Right, and, and, right? and they're always know. accepted in the Paris Accord and otherwise. And my analogy to that is like, you know, we we have air conditioning in our house, right? But you're you in your neck of the woods where you are, your windows closed so that the air conditioning doesn't leave, right? But everyone else has their windows open. <laughs> That's what the global warming, you know, uh, redress it seems to be like. Like, okay, well, America will close its window to to um, keep the air conditioning in and to not uh, to be efficient, waste, yeah. to not waste. But everyone else gets to open up their windows. Yeah. Uh, well, your and air conditioning bill is going to be very high. Right, and we're <laughs> not even going to look at their 
their waste because they're excluded because they're a developing country yes. or some nonsense like that. Another thing I stumble upon vis-a-vis -vis global warming, and this is an amazing one, is you know that old 97% of scientists agree. Right. Dot, dot, dot. And right? four out of five dentists right. agree that... Uh, yeah, chewing gum. Yeah. Will, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I didn't know exactly this, but someone wrote the article. What happened is there was a poll of something like 10,218 scientists. 10,000 or almost 9,000 and change responded that they didn't think man was responsible for global warming. The people running the poll, it was out of University of Illinois, didn't count those. They only counted that 1% of the 10,000 that responded in the way they liked. And of those 1%, something like 68 Respondents, out of 70, 65, yeah. something like that, 65 out of 70 or 68 out of 70 right. were the ones who said, yeah, I believe global warming is man-made and we have to do something right. about it. They took that and they published the 97% figure, <laughs> even though the actual figure was more like 1%. Of scientists thought man I know, was I know. It was, it's, I mean, but but just but this, like, this, this this podcast is not right. about global warming. To right, get, but to get, it's it. about those Democrats on Facebook who respond with things like, yes. "Well, when will Trump release the transcript?" He did. Heads, right? I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly I right. myself. There. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yes, that. You saw. I really do. Uh, <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is a family podcast. Right. Okay, so we we understand and we're on the same page about this. It's about depth of thought. And one of the, the great successes by the Democrats, by the left, is that they do not encourage true debate. They do not encourage critical thinking. And so what they are encouraging is simply to, to espouse certain views and that you're a bad person if you don't share the certain views. Uh, so that's why the, the whole transgender madness is happening. That's why... Global warming, as we just discussed about, and that's that's why Trump is a racist. Is uh, you know that that meme you know keeps on getting trotted out because it's it's what they're told to say. It's and it's really interesting. the The critical thinking mind uh, is a, it's a muscle, right? You cannot if you are, I mean, just like a language, right? If you if you never learned Chinese. Uh, and you are thrust into China all of a sudden. You're, you know, don't expect to speak Chinese just because you're in China, right? Same thing with, uh, you know, going to whatever the Iceland uh, language is. You, you're not going to learn that language just by being there. You have to have it in your blood, so to speak, uh, and, and been raised with it. Well, if you've been raised without the language of critical thinking, then you're not going to be a critical thinker. And so here we are, you and I trying to reason with these lefties, especially the young ones, who have not had a critical thinking moment in their entire educational career. Uh, and we're talking to them in a way where we expect them to kind of do the building blocks, uh, where they eventually come to a conclusion where they're able to say, oh, I see that I was wrong, or I, I want to rethink the way I used to think. Um, yeah, the way we did when we were younger. When we were younger. And, and they're not doing that. No, so, they don't have yeah. the skills. And in fact, it's almost like they don't even speak English. Right. Because we will say things and then they will react with an emotional charge right. to things we said that have no emotional charge as if there is one. And they get triggered right. 
because they've been taught only to be triggered by certain things, which causes them to have a short circuit in the synapses and discount everything they heard. They don't know how to do the critical thinking step. That that's the important. In other words, the show your work sort of thing. It's it's like when when you were in school and you just know that a squared plus b squared equals c squared because that's what it is, right? Yes. But I I always wanted to find out why that was. Why why should I take that on, on faith? For that matter, why should I take on faith that E equals MC squared, right? And there's, of course, there's a logic to it. And yes, that's the ultimate formula. Yes, and we know that that's accurate, but why is it accurate, right? So that's, that's when I was a kid, I used to do that. I would figure it out. A squared plus B squared equals C squared is a lot easier to figure out why that's the case than E equals MC squared, but still the... The, the concept is the same. Yeah, Pythagoras figured right. it out. But and you can but show the work. The way that young kids today and now in their 20s and even 30s and to a lesser extent in the early 40s, uh, the way that they believe education and thoughtfulness uh, works is you are told certain things and you espouse those certain things. Yeah, and so you if they're feel told, yeah, if you, yeah, you feel it. <clears throat> feeling it, it matters more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're told that Israel is an apartheid nation, well, then by golly, Israel is an apartheid nation because CNN told you so. And, and CNN's a trusted source. Right. And they, yeah. they believe it. And, they, and then if you espouse any other source, they say, well, I don't take it seriously because it's, it's Fox News or it's uh, Gateway Pundit or, or Breitbart. Yeah. It, 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 by definition, it's not a reliable source because only you know, the CNN and, and uh, MSNBC are – are valid sources at New York Times. Yeah, with all sorts of points of view and all sorts of... They have a diversity of voices because they have a black person and a white person <laughs> and a Latino and a Latinx and all a All saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah, but see, they're diverse. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, that's, but that's another point. They, they, are, they don't realize how they have not only been manipulated, but how their brains have been told to, to abandon critical theory. They don't even know what critical theory means. They don't even know what, what a question is. Right. It's, it's as Mark Stein says, it's sclerotic thinking. Yeah. You know, there's a sclerosis, a wear away of the, the fibers of this, yeah. you know, tendon, and it doesn't work anymore. Well, this is why we conservatives sometimes scratch our heads and wonder how can they not see how basic this is? Uh, it, it is true um, that, you know, a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. I, I get that. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to that. But... And we're seeing, you know, fortunately, we're seeing a lot of people who did vote for Hillary Clinton become now avid supporters of Trump. We know that in the rallies recently, for example, that uh, 57% in the most recent rally of in Trump. In Wisconsin, yes. It was, was, okay, that's where it was. Uh, were, in fact, registered Democrats. And they weren't, there, they weren't there to protest Trump. They were there to support him. Um, and there's always some schmuck there that, that says something crazy. And then he's just, he or she's escorted out, as they should be. Uh, but and everyone's so thrilled that they were escorted out, and among the Democrats too. It's a major wave that's going on, and I love that. And and so you know who knows? There's there's tremendous hope there. But among those liberals who stay there, these are the true believers. These are the people that are unable to exercise that critical thinking muscle that we've been talking about. And it's that that is what I'm focusing on right now when I talk about Facebook and the social media. It, it really it really does. Uh, serve a, a glorious purpose. It, it, it does allow a platform for people to express themselves individually. You don't have to make your own newspaper <laughs> anymore in order to be heard. 
th these are great platforms. Now, I, I, I dislike that Facebook would somehow censor or discriminate on the grounds of your viewpoint. Yeah, but that has to do with the corporate behavior. You're talking exactly. about what the as a concept. Is as a concept, I, I can use Facebook. I can project out to all my friends. Uh, I, you know, not just my recent uh, successes and joys, but also my political opinions. Yeah, and, and it's a good to, thing. And you get to poll test. It's a good thing. It's it's all daily good. Yeah. By seeing them exactly. You see the, the, the push and pull, and, and among your own friends, you really get the sense of what's going on. And more importantly, from the left, you get to see what the actual arguments are. And this is this is a good service that's going on. So far from the notion that the, this is all fake news and such like that, on the contrary, we're getting the best news. We're getting far more accuracy than we ever had before because of Facebook and Twitter and uh, these new websites, Breitbart, and this, this flurry of new outlets providing information. Are you kidding? This is the best this is the best way of finding out the truth is to let everyone speak their minds and the truth will uh, of course always bubble up to the surface you know you said it very well um Ari, a long time ago and it applies now in this context you said in the old days about how liberals are always about restricting um so for example uh, water water usage right L liberals will respond to a drought by saying okay Let's restrict water, and, and you've got to pay more for water, and this is a, a good way for rational, uh, rationing uh, resources. Right. We conservatives, by contrast, say, how can we get more water, <laughs> right? How can we amplify the situation uh, where everyone benefits from it? So we would say— yeah, How for, can we store more? How can we save more right. when it falls? So we, you know? we think about desalinization. We think about uh, drip irrigation. We think about— you know, I mean, Israel is phenomenal in this context. Yeah, but we think about dams and reservoirs and right. infrastructure, yes. So, so that's it. But, but in addition, so now, but that applies also, is what I'm saying, to this political thinking. thinking right. I, and I'm going to take what you said about this distinction between Democrats, I'm sorry, liberals on the one hand, uh, seeing the answer to all things by limiting resources and uh, conservatives by expanding resources. Yeah. It also applies, doesn't it? Oops. To uh, news outlets, yep. right? isn't that interesting? Yeah. So Censor, I'm taking being censorious yeah. versus being uh, demonstrative. But, and, and aren't uh, isn't the left doing exactly what they do, which is they talk about fake news, and we need to restrict, we need to restrict those bad boys such as Bright. Breitbart and Gateway Pundit and PJ Media. Yeah, I constantly hear them say when I bump into a liberal, what about all those extreme voices on Twitter? And I go, what about them? What? <laughs> I, said to, I said to this liberal, I said, don't you, wasn't it with porn you said that if you don't like it, don't look at it? Yeah, that's Why right. Why don't you just not look at it? So let me move on uh, to, right? let me, let me kind of elucidate my point. brilliant point. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and we, by contrast, say, you know what our founding fathers would have said? Go for it, buddy. Go as, as many as many voices as possible. You know the truth will come out of it. That's right. that. We, you don't get truth by limiting resources and uh, limiting uh, periodicals and, and news outlets and saying, okay, we, we think that that one is a you know more trustworthy than others, and this is what you shall do. That's the, the equivalent of saying that you should only um, uh, you know listen to music if it came from um, Decca Records or Atlanta Records. You know that's the only good music, it's, right. it, which would I be only absurd. Read books by Random House, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's the only trusted yeah. uh, but, publishing but house. A, it's I, the only, and and, and yeah. that's not the way we operate. And somehow, when it comes to the news, uh, I guess the left is so intimidated by the possibility that the truth will come out 
that they find that they they think the only answer is by limiting information, and, but that's what they do. It's the party of limitations, right? right. That's it. And and you you have this uh, theory and and theme that we hear from the Democrats over and over again. There's if you think about it, it's always about some sort of restriction. Even this impeachment trial, for example, of, of uh, Trump, is you can look at it from the lens of they want to restrict. What do they want to restrict in this case? They, they want to restrict Donald Trump. <laughs> they, yeah. They want to make sure that he's no longer president. Well, they want to they want to box him in and then eventually ship him out. Well, actually, Schiff said in his 47-hour diatribe yesterday. We, it's actually about limiting us. We need to remove him from the ballot. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They don't, it's, it's not Trump they want to stop. It's us. They, right. we, they don't want us to be able to pick Pepsi or Coke. They want either. <laughs> right. it, it's not the choice of the new generation or the real thing. It's right. only one or the other. Yeah. It, it, you, you're so brilliant. And also, in, as a lawyer, would you say that the way it works in a court of law is the the concept of consider the sources at play, meaning you have two polarized parties. One is saying everything in their favor. The other is saying everything in their favor. They're not obligated to say the truth. They're obligated to say what's in their favor. And then the, the people who decide consider each source and what's said and come to a decision by splitting the difference between the content and the source. Uh, why isn't that the the? And by the way, that's what I was taught in school. As okay, far so, as critical thinking, so let, let me answer your question. Let, thinking. Let, let me answer. Yeah. So the, the you know, I, let me just demur a little bit to your comment about you know that the truth doesn't matter. The truth, you you have an obligation to tell the truth. Well, I didn't say it didn't but, matter. I said the advocacy of each side. No, no, you 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 always advocate with the truth, of course. But people don't tell the truth in the court courtrooms all the time, right? So, and eventually the truth comes out through cross examination. It's uh, you know I forget the expression out of it, but the, the the bottom line is that you get truth, and the adversarial system as we have it is very good at bringing out the truth, and uh, other systems don't work as well. Likewise with the news media. You mean like burning the witch? Or drought. Okay, so right. so the, likewise with the news media, you have thousands of different outlets. The truth will come out because people will challenge the the, the sources of other places and saying, well, this this uh, for example, in global warming, you just made a very good argument about how what really happened there was that only they only took the one percent of the uh, responses that they liked, and within that, then they found ninety-seven percent of people. So, and then they got to say this thing. Well, okay. Cross-examination would bring that out. That's yes. the whole point. But you, you cannot possibly get true meaning and true truth uh, without allowing a lot of voices to speak. The Democrats, by contrast, again, the party restrictions, they'll do this every single time. They will not only do it in the ways we've been talking about, but they'll also seek to restrict users like you and me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, mostly Facebook and Twitter, uh, because our voices are conservative. So we can't have that happening. Instead of simply saying, look, this is not demonic. This is not pornography. This is not uh, fighting words. There's nothing that rises to the level of, of what we talk about, uh, free speech restrictions. Um, so let it all hang out. And if, if Ari David, for example, wants to say we should ship off you know, all the, the green people to green people continent, for example, uh, let him do it. Okay. It's, it's okay. 
It, it, you may not like it, but you know, let his followers decide that he's a jackass. Okay, fine. Yeah, they'll consider the source and engage in their own version of cross-examination by comparing what I say to other sources. Right, right? exactly. Or yeah. to use a more uh, apt example, let's say the Nazis, okay? Let's say you support the Nazis. And we, both you and I are Jews. We're not fans of Nazis, okay? Let's make that very clear. We hate Nazis. Yeah. Uh, we don't think that they're very significant in America. In fact, they're probably, you know, both of them are probably in still their mama's basement. But that's it. But let's say... There was a bunch of Nazis, you know, that they had a significant presence. Let's say there are 100,000 of them, which is still a very small number. But let's say there were 100,000 of them and they were getting stronger and stronger. Uh, we would say, look, they have the right to speak their mind. Uh, but they also, you know, we have the right to our speak our mind against them and to say that they're, these guys are idiots. We would never say they don't have the right to speak their platform. Right. The people, look, there are many people on on. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, I've heard who say, you know, repeat the blood libel about Jews. I've never said this person needs to be banned. I, I just simply say, you're an idiot. No, but we also as conservatives, and this is back to sort of that thing of comparing a Tom Soule column to a Paul Krugman column. Correct. Let them speak. If you don't see, if you don't hear them, then you won't be able to hear what idiots they are. Right. In other words, the idea of censorship actually works for promoting the stupider and wronger, I'm using that incorrect right, language purposefully. purposefully, the wronger, more wrong, wrongest information because then it's not available to a wider swath of the population that can challenge it. Well, your, your example you the 97% from the 1% is a very good example. Right. Look, I, I have a trial right now going on, and uh, the plaintiff in that case, we represent the defendant, it's a defamation case. The plaintiff in that case uh, started speaking very vocally about how bad my client was in terms of uh, things that she allegedly said and such like that. And he presents himself in a very good way. And one of our approaches to deal with this is not only to present facts that countered what he, he was saying, but also to let him show who he was, right? And we su suspected that he was a very emotional guy. And sure enough, he started exploding on the stand, saying crazy things and showing that he's a wild card. And uh, I was able to just simply say, tell me more. And he, he started and he going, did. going a little nuts. <laughs> um, and so he revealed who he was at the end of the day. Same thing with all these people who, let's say, uh, think that Israel is an apartheid country or is a dictatorship of some kind. And then all I have to say is, well, look, look at the arguments that you're making. These are silly, don't you think? And they eventually start spouting off crazy stuff, and they, they reveal. They, they make our arguments for us, is what you're saying. Yeah. The more information you have, the more powerful uh, you get to the point of truth, the more easily you get to the, to the point of truth. And I, so this is my, my hats off to social media, so to speak. I think the Internet has been a fantastic source of information. On the contrary, yes, there's a lot of false information. Yes, there's a lot of fake news, mostly from the left, by the way, not from the right. But even if there were uh, uh, fake news from the right, okay, it's probably marginal compared to the left, but I'm not here to say who's better in the fake news department. I am here to say that the more information, the more outlets, the more avenues we get for people to express themselves, the more we get to not just the truth, but to understanding our mission in the world, the closer we get to, to God uh, himself.
Okay, that, this is this is it, and this is this is where our, our topic of conversation really should get get us to at some point, because that's the entire mission. At the end of the day, when the Russians and the Chinese today, for example, uh, try to uh, repress free speech, what they were really trying to repress was freedom of faith toward God. That's that's the ultimate. When you think about the things that that dis, uh, dissonance in Russia wanted to do, dissidents, wanted to do most in Russia was to be able to pray to God in their way, right? With, whether as Christians or as Jews. They, they didn't say, I want, you know, I, I want to secretly meet so that we can talk about how, how unfair it is that we have to wait in line for yeah, toilet or, paper. Or plot a revolution. They just wanted to pray. They Isn't just wanted to funny? pray. Isn't, that was the thing they wanted to do. And uh, you, the... The left is in constantly engaged in a theme of restriction and repression to keep information down. And I think the main reason is to prevent the truth from coming out, prevent us from getting closer to truth and truth with capital T, which can only come to us from God. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.